0: welcome to the thrive church podcast join us today as we explore the word giving insightful solutions for day-to-day living we pray this message encourages you throughout your day you can also visit www.thrivechurch.me now on to today's message I'm Andrew Strunk. I'm one of the worship leaders here at Thrive, and I'm super excited to be with you guys here today and to give this talk to you, because I believe it's one of the most important things going on in my life, and I'm thinking that for a lot of you, it's also important for you. But if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn it to John chapter 4. We're going to be reading out of that passage today. But before we get into the reading, I want to ask you guys a really important question, and I want you to dial in to what I'm asking you here, and it's this. Do you believe that Jesus loves people? Do you believe that Jesus wants people to hear the gospel? Some of you believe that. Let me ask that question one more time. Do you believe that Jesus loves people? And do you believe that Jesus wants people to hear the good news of the gospel? Yes. Yes. That's a silly question, right? We're here in church. Of course we believe these things. Of course we believe that Jesus loves people and that Jesus wants to hear the good news, which is that Jesus took upon our sins and that he was hung up on a cross and he was buried and three days later he rose again. This is why we come to church. This is what we believe. Of course, that's a silly question. But what if I told you that you could impact billions of people without leaving the comfort of your own home? Yeah. you wouldn't have to leave your house you wouldn't have to get up off of the couch you wouldn't have to get out of bed you could you could reach billions of people while you're in the bathroom <laughs> hold on with me here All right? we'll, get, we'll get there and you'll understand and some of you might be thinking that's really crazy some of you might be thinking that sounds really tempting I would love to impact billions of people without leaving the comfort of my own home And what if I told you that people are all gathering in one spot and you could potentially help shape their lives for the better without spending a single dollar? Hmm. Without spending a single dollar, you could impact billions of people. I think we would all sign up for something like that. I know that I would definitely sign up for something like that. So I want you to listen to these figures, all right? Because it's really mind-blowing when I read these figures. Two billion people use Facebook. Two billion people have an account with Facebook. 77 million people are on Instagram in the United States alone. I mean, did you hear me? 77 million people are on this app called Instagram Instagram just in the United States alone, that's not accounting for everybody all across the world. Now listen to this. The average person will spend up to five years of their life on social media. Ooh. For some of you, that might be longer, right? (laughs) But this is the average person. The average person will spend up to five years of their entire life on social media. The average teenager will spend up to nine hours a day on social media. Now, I'm not saying that's a good thing. (laughs) Most of us would probably say, "Uh, that seems bad. Uh, But that's where we are in this world. That's where we are as a culture, as a community. These numbers are completely insane, Yet despite this, social media is a major form of relational interaction that the church and people who follow Jesus are ignoring, despite these numbers. But if leveraged correctly, we could use social media to make huge impacts for the gospel. And as you know, right now we're in the second week of our series called Broken to Bless. And in this series, we're looking at how broken people, which is all of us in this room, can experience blessed relationships in all areas of our lives. And the central point of the entire series is this. Through Jesus, we can experience joy and blessing in all of our relationships. And when it comes to social media, people have differing opinions. We all know this. We do agree on that at least, that people have differing opinions when it comes to things like Facebook or Instagram. Some people become so immersed in social media that they spend hours upon hours of their day and their lives in these apps or in these communities. And see, I fall into that category right there. I am definitely one of those people that spends probably way too much time on social media. The first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is, of course, click on Facebook. It's the first thing I do. It's usually the last thing I do before I go to bed, too. And I'm also the kind of person that when I get really uncomfortable, you know, when you're standing out in, in public and, and you're waiting on something, uh, back in the day, you didn't know what to do with yourself. You just, you know, you stand there and you kind of, You know, do I just do do this? Or you get really sweaty and you put your hands in your pocket and you look around and all that kind of stuff. Now you have a phone. It's fantastic. Now we can look busy all the time. (laughs) Now we can get on social media when we're in really awkward, uncomfortable situations. I'm definitely one of those people. Now some people avoid social media altogether. Some of you may have never even heard of Facebook or Instagram or anything like that. And that's okay. Some people choose to ignore social media, just pretend like it doesn't matter and it doesn't, doesn't exist. And there are those still that abuse social media, you know. We hear stories all the time on the news about people who are bullying other people or terrorizing people on these things, they're misusing or abusing social media. And still there are those who use Facebook or Instagram to vent And none of us know anybody like that. And again, I fall into that category sometimes, which I'm ashamed of, but sometimes I like to vent on Facebook. How many times do you get on there and say, to the man in the red truck who cut me off, like that man is your friend and is somehow going to read this vent that you're doing? It's a safe space, right? We can get on there and hide behind our computer or our phones. Um, But I've been guilty, of venting on social media. However, most of us may not be seeing what God sees as far as an opportunity to reach those who have never heard the gospel. So when we look at John chapter 4, we see something similar over 2,000 years ago when Jesus was walking the earth with his disciples. And when I give you a little historical backdrop here on what's going on at the time, Jesus has entered into Samaria. Now, if you didn't know That was not acceptable back then. Jewish people, Jews did not go into this area. They stayed as far away from it as possible. The people who lived there were usually ignored or they were just straight up hated by Jewish people or the Jewish religious leaders. However, I want us to see the interaction that Jesus has with this woman, And we're going to draw some of the parallels of this story and how we can uh, use it in our own lives. So let's take a look. Let's read John chapter 4, starting with verse 4. Jesus, he had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sikar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at this time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Now, I want to pause for a second. We usually brush over this, but there's a reason why the disciples were not with Jesus during this time, and it's because they were not mature enough to go with Jesus to this area. They had grown up with their prejudice against the Samaritan people. So they didn't see this as an opportunity to reach a group of people that had not heard the gospel. They didn't see it as the same opportunity that Jesus sought. Jesus saw it differently, and he was going to leverage this situation for the good. Let's continue on with verse 9. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, "'You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink?' First thing you notice here is that she responds kind of in a negative way. She's not used to this. She's a little hesitant of what's going on. She responds negatively when Jesus wasn't even coming at her in that way. Of course, we never experience this on social media, do we? Right? (laughs) Verse 10. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Please sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. She immediately goes to how this can benefit her right here and right now. She wants this unending water. She's actually missing the entire point of what he's saying. She's focusing on her physical needs, what she needs right here now, the physical water. She reads into what Jesus is saying the wrong way, which, again, never happens on social media, does it? We never are misunderstood on social media. Verse 16, "'Go and get your husband,' Jesus told her. "'I don't have a husband,' the woman replied. Jesus said, "'You're right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth.'" Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worship? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews." But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then, his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, What do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Jesus saw Samaria, the community, this group of people, as an opportunity His disciples, of course, had disdain for this community, for this group of people. His disciples saw them differently than Jesus did. But Jesus saw an opportunity. Jesus saw revival. He saw where the gospel could make an impact. Jesus chose to reach a community where others missed this opportunity. And what I want us to realize today is that social media platforms are here to stay. At least for a long time. They're here. Just like the creation of of newspapers or radio or or TV, cars, airplanes, cell phones, you name it, all technology. There were always people in the world who rallied against these types of things, right? When TV was coming along, you had people saying, this is going to rot the brains of our children. We can't do this. Or when video games came into the scene, people said, it's going to rot our children's brains. We can't do this. And then, of course, cell phones. and social media. It's all going to rot everyone's brains, right? So there are always people who are rallying against these types of things coming about. But we have to realize that this is an actual community and it is a large community of people. It's a community of broken people who are searching for something. And we can actually have a blessed experience and leverage the gospel for impact in this large community, just like Jesus did in Samaria. Which brings us to our big idea for today. And if you have something, you can write this down. Our interaction with others on social media makes more of an impact than you think. I'll say it again. Our interaction with others on social media makes more of an impact than you think. See, we know that social media affects people in many different ways. We know the dangers of it. We also know that the dangers of many things, yet we continue to do it anyways, right? We continue to ignore our own health all the time. We would drink sodas every single day and we wouldn't bat an eye at that kind of thing, but we don't realize... The, the dangers of doing those kind of things, we, we, don't, we ignore the health warnings of sugar or cholesterol or nicotine or alcohol, yet heart disease is, is the number one killer in America. But we continue to do these things anyway. So yes, there are harmful aspects to using social media. I agree with that. I think everybody in here would agree to that. There are dangers to it. We should all be aware of those dangers. And we should limit the interaction that we have on social media just like we should limit certain foods or we should limit harmful things or maybe even a relationship. We should limit our interaction with other people. But we can't be like the disciples with Samaria. We can't just look at that as just an obstacle that we should avoid altogether. Where they saw obstacles, Jesus saw an opportunity. And today, I want us to see an opportunity when it comes to social media. I want us to see an opportunity where many don't see an opportunity. I want us to see how God can impact lives through these platforms. Now, I wish I had some amazing story about how I changed someone's life through Facebook. Or I impacted numerous people through Instagram. I'm not even gonna talk about Snapchat because I don't know how to use it. <laughs> Awful with that stuff, I have no idea. I wish I had stories that could do that, but the reality is that in the early years, especially when I was using Facebook, I just used it to Facebook stalk people, you know? As a lot of people in here probably do. I didn't post a lot of stuff. I would post things from time to time, but for the most part, I kept quiet and I just looked into the lives of what everybody else was doing. Now, it was only in the past couple of years that I started to make a shift in how I use social media. I began to post more. And Now, most of what I do post on social media or on Facebook is, is just funny stuff. I, try to, I want to make people laugh. I want to keep it lighthearted, you know. I post things about my family, about our kids, because I want our extended family, my parents, my grandparents, to see what's going on in their lives so they're not missing out. It actually is a really cool tool to use uh, to keep everybody in the loop of things. And I do use it for the gospel. But again, it wasn't always that way for me. How many of you have ever heard of this thing called Facebook memories? Yeah. right, it is the coolest thing, but it's also the most awful thing in the world, okay? I've been on Facebook since 2006. This is way back when it was only used for college students and nobody else could be a part of it. So I was back in the OG group of people using uh, Facebook And so these memories, they'll pop up, and what happens is it shows you what you've done on that date every year since you've been on Facebook. So, you know, November 4th, 2017, 2016, you know, you get it. And some of those things are great. You look at it, and you go, I forgot all about that. Look how small our kids were. They're so cute. And then there are other things that you go, I can't believe I said that. (laughs) I cannot believe I said that when I was 18 years old. (laughs) No one else has been there before. (laughs) So I have found myself on numerous occasions going back and deleting things. (laughs) Because I was like, I cannot let that stay there. I've got to delete the paper trail. (laughs) (laughs) No one can know this. (laughs) So I go back and I'll delete things. And I can show you time and time again where I misused the platform. I have been guilty of misusing social media. And maybe some of you can relate to this. Maybe some of you have also misused it. Maybe some of you have made posts that make you cringe when you go back and you look at it. Maybe you've said things that that don't make you proud. Maybe you have argued about some really petty and dumb things with other people that you wish you hadn't gotten into. In the past, I was guilty of trying to prove people wrong. I don't know if anybody else is like that, but I always want to be right. I don't want to be wrong, so sometimes I would say things that were really insensitive. Or I would post things that would alienate people. Things that I was not proud of. And I'm sure that there are many of you in this room who have experienced similar things. And we can't change what happened. But we can change what will happen from here. From this day forward, we can see social media platforms as Jesus saw Samaria... So here's our action step for today. Leverage your social media platforms for the gospel. Leverage your social media platforms for the gospel. As a follower of Jesus, we should see every opportunity as a gospel opportunity. And I don't mean that you just post Bible verses on Facebook. We all know people who do that. And that's, I mean, that's, I'm not going to bash them. That's fine. That's what they do. But we're not saying that that's all you can do on social media. You can post things about you. You can be funny. You can post about your family or other things. But don't put too much salt that runs people off. If you get what I'm saying. And don't put too little salt that people have no idea who you belong to. In Colossians, Paul tells the church in that city to make the most of every opportunity and to live wise towards those who are not followers of Jesus. So you might be asking, how do we do this? How do we make the most of every opportunity? How do we leverage our social media platforms for the gospel? And there are four steps that we can take to leverage our social media platforms for the gospel. The first one is this. Know that avoiding social media doesn't make you more mature. See, religious leaders in Jerusalem, they thought that they were better than the people of Samaria. They thought they were better than the Samaritans because they just completely avoided them. They didn't interact with them at all. The disciples didn't interact with the Samaritans. They didn't want to become unholy or bogged down in some religious arguments with people. Now, I want to pause for a second and say, if you if you don't have social media, if you're not in it, it's okay. I'm not. I'm not saying that, that you're wrong. Or that you're, you're not up to date or anything like that. If you don't have it, that's totally fine. If you don't need it and you just want to stay away from it, you don't want to become addicted to something, you've, you've gone this long without it, why do you need it now? It's okay to avoid it. But here's the thing don't look down on people who decide to go through Samaria. You get what I'm saying? Don't look down on people who use social media and hopefully use it as an opportunity to reach a community. In fact, if you don't have social media, but say your family does or your friends do, you can still play a role in this. You can encourage them to use the social media platform that they're on to reach other people for the gospel. You can still play a part in this. But don't look down on those who don't or who use it. The second step is this, avoid foolish arguments. The woman in Samaria tried to get Jesus to argue with her about a foolish religious ceremony, about which mountain they worshipped on. But Jesus didn't take the bait. He didn't fall for the trap. Instead, he saw the hurt beyond the post, so to speak. Now, we can have friendly debates, We we say that anyway. Most people cannot have friendly debates as we've seen in this world. A lot of people love to just pick at people and pick at people and pick at people. And we all know that arguing with somebody will always change their mind. Right? I mean, that's science, I think. Be like Jesus. Don't take the bait. See the person behind the post. See the hurt that they're going through. See them as who they are. Number three, don't let social media rob you of joy. Another way that we can actually lose leverage of the gospel is letting our joy get robbed. See, we see everybody else's highlight reel on social media we begin to feel really down about ourselves because we're not that way. We don't look as good or we can't do that. But here's the thing, they're putting the best of the best on here. No one is putting their failures or their shortcomings on Facebook or on Instagram or any other social media platform. Nobody wants to be vulnerable in that way. So of course, they're putting their best foot forward. Realize that when you're looking at someone's post, you're just seeing the tip of the iceberg here. The people who are doing these posts, posting these things, they're struggling just like you. They're hurting just like you. Just because somebody goes on their spouse's Facebook page and then writes this long poem or this long novel for some of you, it doesn't mean that they don't have issues the same as us. It doesn't mean that they don't have the same struggles that we go through. We all struggle the same. Don't let that rob your joy. And the last step is this. Post with prayerful intention. And this is the biggest one right here. Jesus was intentional when he went through Samaria. He was prayerful, as we all know. He prayerfully saw Samaria as an opportunity to reach a new group of people. And we should also be prayerful as we post. And some of you might think that's kind of silly, but I honestly believe that it's the truth. We can post silly things, we can, we can post funny things, or we can post serious things, things about our family, but be intentional and realize the outcome of what it is that you're actually doing. So many times I've gotten on Facebook or Twitter or whatever and, and started to write something out and then just ended up deleting it because I paused and I thought about what is this going to do to people? Is this going to cause harm? Is this going to alienate somebody? Is it going to be taken the wrong way? Could somebody look at this and, and, and be led astray? Or think the wrong thing? Will it do more harm than good? These are the kind of things that we should, con- should consider. The kind of things that we should pray about before we post things. Because of the weight that we, that we can throw at people with our own posts. Let's leverage our words on social media for the gospel. Too many of us leverage it for pity or we leverage it for politics or we leverage it for anything and everything except for the gospel. And here's the thing, Matthew 12, 36, Jesus says this, Jesus warns us that by our words we will be justified or condemned before God, that we will be held accountable for every word that we use. And you might be thinking, well, that was a long time ago. That was way before Facebook. That was way before social media or the internet came onto the scene. But it still rings true for us today. What you say on these social media platforms you will still have to answer to God for. How will you interact with Samaria? A.K.A. social media. How will you use social media platforms to reach people for Jesus? How will you leverage these platforms to reach people, to make an impact in the world? Let's pray.